0: Hey everybody, this is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. A long time ago, in a far-off corner of a major city, was a small American town called East Harlem. There were many faces, but no Facebook. A few twits, but no Twitter. And we didn't use a device when we wanted to socialize. We just opened the door and walked out to our stoop. It seems like such a long time ago, like an ancient city, a myth as if it had watched it all from the stoops of Atlantis. We all had our favorite games as kids. It's the one thing that can link neighborhoods from East Harlem to East Oshkosh. Tag, Freeze or otherwise, Hide and Go Seek, Cops and Robbers. Across the country, we all played versions of these standards. These were the archetypes of the collective playtime. But we were kids. We had imaginations. We got bored. Sometimes a nice sunny July afternoon called for something new. Something original. Something that perhaps evolved and morphed. From the archetypal rules but like local religions and language were born of the time of the locale and even of the current movies tv shows or news events the children of the zeitgeist games only me you and us could make from where we were at that place and time see milton bradley electronic arts or atari could never dream of them these were the games we made My family were the first on our block to get cable TV, and this was the mid-70s. The salesman that made his pitch to my parents really sold it. Yes sir, that is correct. You will never have to fidget with the antenna again, A perfect picture all the time. Plus HBO. There were a few movies that I watched over and over that year when we first got hbo Monty Python and the Holy Grail. His head smashed in and his heart cut out and his liver removed and his bowels unplugged and his nostrils raped and his bottom burnt off and his that's, that's a that's enough music for now, lads. <laughs> the Towering Inferno with the great noise homicidal OJ and It's the world's number 1 phenomenon. I a... no, not that lame 2002 remake. I'm talking about the 1975 amazing dystopian science fiction classic with James Caan. He was a badass and I wanted to be Jonathan E. I think I watched that movie 30 times, but watching wasn't enough. I wanted to feel the rush of that ultra-violent, corporate-sponsored replacement for war. Minus the uh, mind-altering pills and blowing up trees. It started with a ball of aluminum foil. Well, you know, you can't play rollerball ball without a ball to roll. I guess I used my mom's entire tube of Reynolds wrap. And got yelled at for not asking. Scott, Chris, and I had those old roller skates. The metal ones with that once iconic and now relegated to myth, skate key. Those metal wheels on concrete made a distinct scraping sound. The key... Oh, well, that was used to adjust the size, and not lock them up. They would fit over your sneakers, and rarely did you wear two. You were usually sharing one with a friend. We also needed a scooter. This was made with an old broken skate, a 2x4, and a milk crate. We just needed an arena and a corporate entity to declare our allegiance to. The arena was easy. My backyard would provide the perfect landscape of our mini version of the most violent game since the Roman Colosseum was open for business. In the movie world of Rollable, each team was sponsored by a huge corporation. We had ours, Mommy Inc., Playing the game with only three would be lame. So we recruited Laura and Jennifer and created two teams. We placed a metal wash tub on the opposite side of the yard. That would be the goal. The players would line up and as our corporate anthem played, I think we used a small tape recorder, I psyched myself to transform into my alter ego. I was no longer Mikey D of 118. I was Jonathan E, rollable champion of the world, the highest paid, most recognized and most dangerous human to ever don skates and spike gloves. The ball was rolled towards us by someone other than me. I was too busy Jonathan eating, and the game was on. Okay, I I confess. I got carried away. I played rough. I remember sending my fist into Chris's stomach just as the ball was sent our way. I could hear him, oof, as he hunched over, and I raced for the ball. Then all hell would break loose. Me, Chris, and Scott would battle it out, and, and Jennifer and Laura, playing it smart, would clear away from the flying fist, crashing scooters, and attempts to slam the ball into the bucket. I had a blast, and I could hear the crowd chanting, Jonathan! 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 Looking back, I don't think the game lasted more than 10 minutes. Someone would end up bruised. I can't recall how many rollerball games we actually played in my yard. Maybe a half dozen. I confess it was all my fault, I just got way too into it. I was a maniac in the arena. No one wanted to play. It's not easy being a champ. But of course, it wasn't only in East Holm where kids made up their own games. I recently posted on the Facebook page to have people post some of the games that they invented as kids. One example was Melissa from Chatham, Georgia, about as different a town from East Harlem as you can get. But nonetheless, the kids of Chatham were filled with imagination and ingenuity. Here's her story of the game that she invented. I remember there was a beautiful spot about 30 minutes into the woods where we lived. There was a creek and a tree over the creek that we could cross. We would go there and take food and pretend there were no adults left in the world and we had to survive on our own. We would put berries and mushrooms and pretend to have to live off it. We would also pretend there were monsters in the woods and we had to always be aware of. I know we built paths and even a small bridge over the water on down, downstream so we could escape if we needed. I miss those days. Thanks, Melissa, for your story. How cool did that sound? Just imagine a world where you will hold your entire future in the palm of your hand when a tiny glowing crystal will guide you through an existence in which each day is more wonderful than the last, where it will be possible for you to obtain the fulfillment of every fantasy, the satisfaction of every vanity, the absolute attainment of every wish. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents the Saul David production of Logan's Run. Another science fiction movie inspired one of our other games on 118th Street, Logan's Run. Back in the 70s, the community garden on Pleasant Avenue was no more than a future thought in someone's imagination. It was just a rubble and stink tree littered lot. Yep, the perfect place for kids to play. Broken glass, rusty tetanus oozing nails protruding from rotted, moldy wood, rats. Yeah, so? The rules of Logan's Run were simple. It was a hide-and-seek, cops-and-robbers hybrid wherein one person would count to a hundred, while the others hid in the lot, usually deep in the disgusting surroundings, the essence of stink trees infusing your nostrils with their cat piss smell. The seeker would then come looking, and if you were discovered trying to camouflage yourself with and Funk, you had to make the Logan's run without getting tagged. This meant dashing at full speed over scattered bricks and car parts, out onto and across Pleasant Avenue, dodging cars of course, and up 118th Street, all the way to First Avenue to the fire alarm box, which was the safe zone. It was quite a run. No wonder we were all so skinny. I doubt we even broke a sweat. So was this all potentially dangerous? I guess. But heck, it kept us in shape. No more dangerous than getting diabetes at 30. My backyard ran parallel to my neighbors. And my friends and I sort of treated Mary's yard, Charlie Ding Ding's mother, the Whisper Ladies, and Catman Pete's yards as extensions of mine. In no made-up game did that come into play more than when we played Army. This was a night game. The players were always the same trio, me, Joe, and Scott. We would dress up in green and black, cover our faces with burnt cork for that perfect nocturnal camouflage, and grab our homemade clip guns. A clip gun was simple to make. You attached a rubber band to one end of a broomstick or a length of wood. At the opposite end was clamped one of those spring-loaded clothespins and it was loaded with those pull tabs from soda cans, you know, the old-school kind that used to detach from the can. So these were the bullets launched by the rubber band when the clothespin trigger was pushed. We also carried flashlights, firecrackers, and little baggies of flour to use as hand grenades, and a compass, which was cool, but pretty much totally useless. Then the yard light was unplugged, and as Deadly Night descended, two of us would head off into the 17th parallel of 118th Street's yardside jungles. The third would set off hunting for the others, and then it was every man for himself. Sometimes plastic guns were used, and the only ammo was the bang-bang or bang, pew-pew that fired from our whips. There was always that arguing about who missed who, and when the guns failed, well, we would end up in that wide-open, grassy yard of the Whisper Lady and engage in deadly hand-to-hand combat. Joe usually won those battles. I can't imagine how this game would go over today, and I'm not just referring to the fake gunplay, which was you know just pure fun for us. But the idea of running around in neighbors' yards dressed in camo at night, lighting firecrackers, firing clips, wrestling, would probably end a disaster today, or a major lawsuit. One night, I almost gave poor Mary a heart attack. She stepped into the yard as I jumped from behind the wide trunk of a boysenberry tree. She gasped in utter fear, I mean, understandably. And I flashed the light on my face and desperately explained, it's me, Mary, it's Mike, it's Mike. She exhaled, gave me a dirty look, and went back inside. And the game went on. And man, it was fun. Perhaps our reputations on the block as being basically good kids let us get away with a lot. We were kids with imaginations and we were allowed to exercise them. Yeah, we pushed the boundaries at times, but it was never vicious, just mischievous. Did we sometimes get bruised? Of course. And so what? It toughened us up and we had a blast. The indoor sedentary life that many kids live today is sad. I recently had a family and friends gathering in Vermont and I was stunned to see some of the kids, who were boys the same age I was when we were playing Army of the Yards, sit inside engaged on their phones while there were open fields of grass, mountain paths, babbling streams awaiting them outside. I would have been in heaven at their age, and I wasn't mine. I kind of miss those days inventing games, running, jumping, fighting, firing clips and dirt bombs at each other. We did have fun, and even if it was just lounging and planning the next caper on our stoops of Atlantis. I hope you are enjoying these podcasts. Um, I'm going to put my plea out again to please maybe spread the word. Uh, I want to really try to grow the audience. So even if you could just tell one person who you would think would enjoy uh, these stories, please, please spread it on social media or just pick up a phone or just if you're at a party talking to someone and podcasts come up, maybe you can, rec- you can recommend uh, The Stoops of Atlantis. I really would appreciate it because I want to keep these going, but I do want to grow this audience. And those who have been uh, loyal followers, thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been the Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Stay tuned for future episodes as we journey back to that ancient mythical land that actually existed, East Harlem. And please join the Stoops of Atlantis Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube or iTunes. See you next time.